Chimera by Phil Gong Read by Dan Snellgrove Chapter 4 The Oblivion 3 Kip blinked. A blaze of light hurt his eyes. Thank goodness said the snake. I've been so worried. You must have hit your head when I pulled you to safety. Kip jumped to his feet. Brown, brittle Christmas trees surrounded him in dense thickets, their dead, dry branches hanging with scraps of tinsel and sad-looking decorations. The ground crackled with pine needles. The tremendous light came from thousands of lamps amassed in clumps about him, their fringed shades in different shapes, colours and patterns. Electrical cables sprouted from their bases, curled together like roots. It's all right, said the snake. You're safe for now. Where am I? The Lumen Arboretum. Lumen what? Kip shook his head. Look, what sort of a snake are you, anyway? A sock snake. You're a sock snake? Yes. You're a snake? Made of socks? Yes. Kip had to think about this for a moment. And those other things? What were they? There was a baby. A giant baby. It looked like it wanted to kill me. It does want to kill you. It does? Why? What did I do? The berserker breaks whatever it touches. Had I not come for you when I did, it would have likely pulled your arms from their sockets. And that other thing? With the jelly eyes? I suppose it wanted to kill me too? No. The tea leaf just wants to feed on you. Light-headed, Kip said. I need to sit down. He folded inelegantly to the floor and didn't speak for a while. When he did, he said, Who was she? Madame Chartreuse, replied the snake in a whisper. The berserker and the tea leaf are her henchmen. Together, they're known as the Oblivion Three. When I looked at her, I... I know, said the snake gently. She makes you see. What you want to see. You must leave here before she finds you. Leave? Kip laughed. I don't even know how I got here. You're here because you've gone missing. Everything in Chimera is lost property of one kind or another. When you lose something in your world, it comes here. You must go to the sanctuary of Saint Anthony. Only there can you be returned to the elsewhere world. We should leave at once for the temple of Miscellany. Lost properties who make it to Thingopolis gather there before making the long journey to the sanctuary. You need to join them. There's only safety here in numbers. I know all of this is strange to you, but there's no time 
Madame Chartreuse is coming. Dizzied, Kip touched the bump on his head. The snake looked at him. Are you feeling all right? What's wrong? What's wrong? Kip didn't know where to begin. Are you all right? Kip pointed at the hole in the snake's side that was still leaking soft white lint. You did that when you saved me, didn't you? When you caught me with your tail. It's nothing, said the snake. I'm fine. Kip wasn't so sure. He got up and hurried over to one of the Christmas trees and took from it one lonely-looking bauble. He placed the bauble on the ground and crushed it under his shoe. He took its wire hoop from out of the fragments of glass and straightened it between his fingers before forming a smaller hoop at one end. Next, he produced the ball of sandy-coloured carpet thread from his jeans pocket, his fingers luxuriating in it. He smiled, the snake watching him with interest. Kip unravelled the thread and poked it through the eye of his makeshift needle. This might sting a bit, Kip warned. He pushed the point of the needle into the snake's diamond-patterned skin. <sighs> the snake flinched, a reflex pushing a ripple all the way along his body. Carefully, Kip began to mend the tear in his side. How does that feel? He said after he'd finished, standing back to examine the neat line of stitches. Better. I'm Kip Finnegan, by the way. Thanks very much for saving me. Atticus Weft, said the snake. But you're not out of danger yet. The Lumen Arboretum was very warm, a constant buzzing coming from its snarls of cables. Large butterflies chased each other through the standard lamps. One settled on Kip's hand for a moment. It was deep, velvety blue with perfect yellow spots. It looked a lot like a bow tie. Other creatures scurried amongst the pine needles. Pheasant-like birds with bodies like wide-brimmed hats went scarpering off into the wood at the sound of their approach. Kip thought more about what Atticus had said about this strange new world being a world of lost things. Did that mean his missing roller skates were here? What about teeth? Was there somewhere a heap of teeth as vast and pearly as an iceberg? And the old silver locket? Was that here too? Deep in thought, Kip trod on Atticus's tail. The great snake had stopped and was staring into the dense swathes of standard lamps, tasting the air with little flicks of his forked tongue. We're being followed, Atticus said. Hide, quickly! They hurried off the path and forced their way into an embankment of cables. Loops of warm humming flecks closed around them in strangleholds. As Kip wriggled further into the wire patch, the rubber sleeves encasing the thickest cables began to split. Out of the cracks protruded masses of smaller wires that bristled like sea anemones, blue sparks shooting from their copper tips. Kip flinched as an arc of electricity leapt from one of the newly opened rosettes and discharged into the ground very close to his foot. Shock! Bobbies, whispered Atticus. Don't touch them. 
Kip was about to suggest they rethink their hiding place when he heard the sound of something approaching along the path. They waited, not daring to breathe. At last, they heard the snap of branches as their pursuer moved away. In his relief, Kip put his hand down on a shock poppy, which sent a jolt of electricity surging through him. He cried out, burping smoke. Atticus gagged him with his tail, but too late. Whatever was following them had heard Kip's cry and returned. As more poppies blossomed, Kip and Atticus picked their way through the wire patch as quickly as they dared. There was a loud bang, and Kip watched in dismay as Atticus rocketed forwards, his body glowing like a neon tube. Then Kip was jumping too. Another blast knocked him backwards, his legs in the air. Now Atticus was stung again. Kip and Atticus lit up the wire patch like a pinball table until, mercifully, a circuit blew. As standard lamps throughout the Lumen Arboretum went dark, they were jettisoned from the wire patch, trailing sparks. Kip sat up and wiped the soot from his face. He laughed grimly. He said, I'm never going to make it out of here alive. Nonsense, said Atticus, appearing at his side. You're going back to where you belong. I'll see to that. Then you're wasting your time, said Kip getting to his feet. He scanned the dark copse of standard lamps. We need to keep moving, you said. Wait! Atticus caught Kip with his tail. Before you darned my wound with a thread from your pocket, you were smiling. I saw you. You were remembering something. What? It doesn't matter. None of it matters now. Tell me. It's silly, Atticus. It's nothing important. Tell me. Kip sighed and pointed at the sandy-coloured stitches in Atticus's side. I used to pretend my bed was a pirate ship washed up on a desert island. And my carpet was all the soft, warm sand. I was thinking about Sprat, that's all. Sprat? Kip pulled the conker from his pocket by its red bootlace. She gave me this. I gave her Captain Toothache's belt. We called it the Solemn Pact of Swaps. Captain Toothache is my pirate name. The captain's belt's got this buckle shaped like a skull and crossbones. It's too long, really. You have to wrap it around twice. One leg peg always had her eye on it. Uh, one leg peg? That's Spratt's pirate name. Uh. I know what you're thinking. Simon Stinkfingers used to tease me about it too. Boys aren't supposed to have girls for best friends. But last summer, we built a go-kart together. We called it Geronimo, and it was fast. Spratt's got this scar between her eyebrows where she had chicken pox and picked her spots. Everyone told her not to, but Spratt does what she likes. I told her not to put her finger in the piranha tank at Professor Pettifog's, but she did it anyway. Kip let the conker spin on its long red bootlace. He watched it turn, thinking about Spratt and their many adventures together. Kip felt happy, sad and angry all at the same time. It was a strange, unwelcome sort of a feeling, like pins and needles or having ants in your pants. Hmm. Your memory is a powerful magician, Kip, said Atticus. 
Your memory's the scarves he conjures from his pocket. Kip thought about this. Sure enough, he saw a man in a top hat with a nice face and a neat moustache on a small stage with creaky wooden floorboards and rich red curtains on either side. Kip smiled shyly. The magician smiled too. Above the magician's head, spotlights blazed in rainbow colours. About his feet, gathering there like party garlands, were the scarves he was producing unendingly from somewhere inside his pockets. Each scarf knotted to the next. A green one? The cut grass smell of summer days. A pink one? The taste of raspberry bubblegum. And now a gold one. Sprat, laughing her head off. Yes, I can see him, said Kip. Good. That's good. Atticus smiled unconvincingly. What is it, Atticus? The snake moved away from Kip and didn't reply. Atticus? What's the matter? What's wrong? I'm sorry, said Atticus. You're sorry? Kip, there's something else you need to know. Kip laughed. Oh, this crazy place, he said. Ah, this is serious, Kip, snapped Atticus. And Kip went cold all over, because he knew it must be. Remember how I shook you after the bridge fell into the ravine? The tea leaf had a hold of your foot, you see. I made it let you go before it could feed on you, but I should have been quicker. I'm sorry. But the tea leaf didn't feed on me, you said. Atticus looked wretched. The tea leaf carries a contagion on its fingers. An infection known as the fugue. At first, the changes go unnoticed. Changes? Something infected with the fugue, a lacuna tick, will grow distant, turn inwards. They'll refuse companionship and help. That's the beginning of it. That's how it starts. They might start to forget the names for things or what they're doing, or where they're going. As the infection worsens, they'll forget their likes and their dislikes, what made them laugh and cry. Soon, they'll forget how to laugh, how to cry. They'll forget what joins them to the world. They'll come adrift from everything. A lacunatic is truly lost. When Kip didn't react, Atticus grimaced. You're angry with me. I'm angry with myself. I was supposed to be looking after you. I was supposed to be keeping you safe. Kip shrugged. He said, This fugue thing doesn't sound so terrible. Atticus stared at him. Haven't you been listening? The fugue will take your memories. So what? said Kip, the conquer back in his pocket. The bad ones make me feel bad, and the good ones, they're making me feel worse. 
there's a girl out there whose very name makes your whole face light up. I saw it, the memory of her, what it gave to you. You would be rid of her so easily. Kip felt properly sick suddenly. For a moment, the lamps and Christmas trees of the Lumen Arboretum were gone. He was slumped instead on the back seat of the car, as the parents, who weren't, drove him away from his house for the last time, on the pavement, wearing Captain Toothache's belt and waving, stood Spratt, the go-kart beside her. It hurts, whispered Kip. Good. You still feel something, at least. Atticus glanced around, his tongue tasting the air. Ah, we've lingered too long! She's coming! Ah.